0: This is really the first time that tax credits, federal income tax credits, can just be directly sold to another taxpayer. So historically, the sale of tax credits wasn't permitted. So it was often the case that developers who did not have tax appetite of their own, basically they didn't have the tax liability to even utilize tax credits that might've been available to them.
1: Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick Podcast where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thangin, so let's get into it. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. Since we last had our podcast, we just had our summer solstice event. I want to thank everyone who attended the event. Our gold sponsors were Shored Consulting, Aurora Solar. Our silver sponsors were Power Market and Hodgson's Energy. We also raise money for two different causes. Let's share the Sun Foundation, who we've had on two interviews of the podcast, and the Boys and Girls Club of America. We're able to raise... $800 for each of those charities. So I appreciate everyone who attended and donated for the summer solstice event. Our next event is our holiday party, which is on Thursday, December 7th. I'll be in Jersey City, New Jersey. We're also working on a conference as well, a Solar Maverick conference. The date's still to be determined. If you're interested in learning more about any of what I just spoke about, please email us at info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at reneuenergy.com. I'm really excited on this episode of the podcast to have Adam Shirley from Foley and Lardner. He's a tax partner and we focus on the transferability guidance that the IRS has provided with the Inflation Reduction Act. Really what's exciting about this, before it was large corporations and banks that were able to take advantage of having a tax liability and basically lowering their taxes through the investment tax credit. But this now allows pretty much anyone who has a tax liability in the US to incentivize them to invest in renewable energy projects and obviously lower their tax bills. So this is really exciting stuff. And this is why on this episode of the podcast, we're focused just specifically on the transferability guidance, because it's something that I've actually been getting so many questions about. And I'm, Actually very interested in it as well. Thank you, Adam, for providing some of the preliminary guidance that the IRS has provided. Obviously, it's still not finalized, so you'll see Adam will talk about certain aspects we're still waiting for guidance for, but a lot of the major guidance has been provided to date. I really appreciate Don Curry, who's a Solar Maverick listener, who made the introduction. He's a mutual friend of Adam and I, so definitely if you want to be a guest or know of a good guest, contact us, and Don and I have known each other for a very long time. And he provides a lot of great feedback to me on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Solar Maverick podcast. Let's get into it. Hi, this is Benoy, your host of the Solar Maverick podcast. I'm really excited on this episode of the podcast to have Adam Shirley. He's a tax partner with Foley Lardner.
0: Adam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Benoy. It's great to be part of the podcast.
1: Yeah, Duff, I'm excited to have you. The Inflation Reduction Act and IRA, we're finally getting guidance on a lot of the major tax code related to renewable energy development and the incentives related to tax policy. What I like about this is that you're going to actually focus on the transferability aspect, which we'll get into. But I think it would be very helpful for our audience, our listeners who we call Mavericks, to tell us more about you, your background, and about Foley Lardner, if if they don't know the company,
0: yeah, absolutely. So, Foley and Lardner is a law firm based in the United States. We have over twenty offices around the country, and we have a few international offices. One of our main focuses as a law firm, we are a general business and litigation firm with broad-based practice. But one of our main focuses is our energy sector, and that energy sector focuses on both traditional energy sources, renewable energy sources, and energy transition. So our energy group is several hundred attorneys within our firm in the energy group. We represent clients in all matters of energy-related transactions in the energy sector, including representing clients in litigation matters in energy-related transactions. My own practice is tax practice. I'm a tax partner, as you mentioned, out of our Milwaukee office. I focus on assisting clients including investors, sponsors and developers on structuring transactions to utilize federal income tax credits, primarily investment tax credits for solar, wind and other types of renewable energy projects, as well as production tax credits and tax credits related to other types of climate change issues, such as 45Q carbon sequestration tax credits. I've been doing this my entire career, so over 10 years uh, focusing on tax aspects of energy related transactions.
1: And that's obviously a very valuable experience. Basically, the federal tax code is what incentivizes energy projects and Renewable energy projects in the 1603 cash grant and then the investment tax credits in the U.S. have led to a substantial construction of renewable energy projects, specifically wind and solar. The great thing about the IRA is that there is other technologies that are being incentivized more. For me, being a solar developer, obviously like storage and having a standalone investment tax credit is huge for that. But I'll let you actually talk about that more. Most of our audience is very familiar with the Inflation Reduction Act or IRA, but it would be great, Adam, for people who might not be familiar with it, if you could go into what is the Inflation Reduction Act?
0: So the Inflation Reduction Act was signed into law in August of 2022. There are numerous aspects of the Inflation Reduction Act, but a couple of the large pieces are the federal government grant funding for certain types of renewable energy projects or projects that would otherwise help to reduce the impact of climate change. The major piece of it and the piece that we've been focusing on a lot over the last 10 months or so is extensions and modifications of the rules relating to tax credits. So, for example, thinking about solar tax credits, the ITC, the Investment Tax Credit, which is a credit based on the cost of eligible solar energy equipment, that ITC has been around for quite a while, but it was subject to phase down prior to passage of the IRA. And now, with the IRA, the solar investment tax credits for other types of renewable energy property, as well as tax credits for production of clean energy, such as production of electricity from wind resources, biomass, and solar resources. The investment tax credit and production tax credit have both been effectively extended through the early 2030s. So these credits are now going to be around for a long time and will be available as a resource for developers to help finance their project development.
1: Yeah, and I think that's huge, obviously within the industry to have like that certainty of the tax credits instead of every year, two or three years it being changes to the tax law and you didn't know whether the ITC will still be there or what percentage. Then there was obviously like the phase downs for the industry. This is huge because this creates certainty. I think you're gonna see a lot of growth based on that. There's so much going on in the solar industry, it could be hard to keep up. Never mind get ahead, new technologies, new ways to sell, policy changes, the Inflation Reduction Act, high inflation, high interest rates. We only have 30 seconds, so I'll stop there. But whether you want to up your sales game, streamline your operations, or to be a more effective solar leader, Empower is the one-day virtual event to help you improve your solar business. Join industry leaders, Policy experts and solar professionals on August 16 to investigate issues that matter to your solar business. Register for free at aurorasolar.com/empower2023. We'll also have this on the notes of the podcast. Thank you. And then I know when we spoke, we were talking about the whole transferability aspect of the IRA, the IRS providing guidance on transferability. Can you talk about, Adam, like what is transferability and why is it important? Why are a lot of people in the industry wanting to focus on the transferability aspects of the
0: IRA? I'd say there's a lot of excitement over the last six months or so relating to transferability and the sale of tax credits. This is really the first time that tax credits, federal income tax credits, can just be directly sold to another taxpayer. So historically, the sale of tax credits wasn't permitted. So it was often the case that developers who did not have tax appetite of their own, basically they didn't have the tax liability to even utilize tax credits that might have been available to them. Developers engaged in complicated tax equity financing transactions such as partnership flip transactions, sale leasebacks, inverted leases, with third-party investors who were able to utilize those tax credits. If we just take an example of a sale leaseback A developer in that structure who built a solar facility that was eligible for a 30% credit based on the basis of the solar facility, in that structure, a developer who couldn't utilize the tax credit might enter into a sale-leaseback transaction where the project is sold to an investor who owns the project, and then the project is leased back to the developer. In that scenario, because the investor is the owner of the project, they'd be the party entitled to claim tax credits. All of those tax equity financing transactions, I think, still have a place going forward. But the ability to directly sell tax credits, I think, gives developers another tool in their toolbox for how they're going to think about financing development of their projects. That is
1: huge. I mean, I've worked on obviously structuring these transactions from a financial perspective. And usually, obviously, you had very big companies taking advantage of it, big financial institutions, some of your big corporates, especially tech companies, Google, Amazon. This makes it a lot easier to come up with unique ways of allocating to new space, right? Of being able to transfer the tax credits that weren't able to be transferred before. Can you talk about how it might be easier from like a structuring perspective be able to transfer these credits than the complications of structuring, sale-leaseback transaction, partnership flip, or inverted lease?
0: Yeah. So in particular, I think that the transfer of tax credits is probably going to help developers who are developing smaller projects and may not be able to attract tax equity to single individual projects that aren't part of a larger portfolio. The simplicity of transferring is simply that The owner of the project, who would continue to be the developer in this case, can develop, build the project, place it in service, continue to own the project, and simply enter into a tax credit purchase and sale agreement to sell the tax credits that they otherwise would have been entitled to a buyer who has the tax appetite to use the credits the market is kind of still coalescing and forming around exactly what the sale of tax credits will look like and how these documents are going to look. But I think it's safe to say a developer, it should be simpler and kind of more straightforward, fewer transaction costs for developers to sell tax credits than entering into larger tax equity structures
1: tax equity investors because it's so expensive to structure these deals they would have 50 or 100 megawatt just minimums as the industry got bigger to be able to do a tax transaction obviously there are companies out there doing smaller but that is really a game changer when it comes to being able to have smaller projects and to transfer the tax credits and the simplicity of it so that's really exciting What tax year would the transferability rules of the IRA be able to be applied? Would be tax year 2023 or would it be 2024?
0: Or how does that work? Taxpayers can sell tax credits right now if they'd like to. There was a period after the passage of the IRA into, I believe, February of 2023, where taxpayers weren't able to sell credits. But after that expired, they are now able to sell credits And just earlier this month, the IRS and Treasury came out with uh, guidance on some of the procedural process oriented requirements to sell tax credits and some more kind of substantive rules related to the sale of tax credits. So I think there are going to be more of these types of transactions picking up over the next few months now that everybody has long awaited guidance on how to make this work.
1: I know obviously this is probably not public information, but do you know of any transactions that have happened that people have to use the transferability rules in the transaction? Is it right now just too early but we'll see more activity when it comes to the fall time break?
0: Yeah. So the word kind of among practitioners is that there have been negotiations, documents being negotiated for the purchase and sale of tax credits. Some I believe have even been executed, but no funds have really flowed yet. I think we're getting to the stage now where with all of this new guidance and information, I think we're going to actually start seeing sales close. I know people have been waiting for this guidance to be able to move forward with
1: transactions. So that's pretty exciting. And then just going back, is there anything else that we should know about? transferability that we haven't spoken about or have we covered pretty much most of it? I know for a lot of the audience, this is pretty technical. And for Adam being a tax partner, this is like ABCD. But for uh-huh. a lot of us, <laughs> this is pretty complicated. Even for me, I have spent a lot of time just reading and trying to understand it.
0: Well, I will say that the proposed regulations were 108 pages long. So there's a lot to get through, but I can highlight some of the aspects that we found to be the most interesting and helpful in the regulations.
1: Oh, that would be helpful. That would be great if you could do that, Adam. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So I should take a step back. Investment tax credits, such as the tax credit available for solar projects, which is generally 30% as long as you satisfy the prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirements, those credits may be sold production tax credits which are credits based on the production of electricity at a solar or wind or other type of renewable energy facility those can be sold carbon sequestration tax credits under 45Q can be sold and then there are manufacturing tax credits for the manufacture of renewable energy property under 45X that can be sold, clean hydrogen tax credits, as well as several others. The key piece in selling tax credits is that they need to be sold for cash. And the regulations make clear that cash means U.S. dollars, wire transfer is okay, money order is okay, but no other type of property can be exchanged for the sale of tax credits. No multiple transfers are allowed. So once somebody buys a tax credit from the project owner, the buyer can't turn around and sell the tax credit again.
1: That's a good thing to know.
0: Yeah, but the guidance does permit brokers. So you can go out there and use a matchmaker to find uh, tax credit sellers and purchasers if you're in the market, which I think is going to be helpful and will help to grease the wheels in this market.
1: Empower is the only one-day event to help you improve your solar business. Join industry leaders, policy experts, and solar professionals on August 16th to investigate the issues that matter to your solar business, like how to attach more storage to solar sales, the latest in solar financing, how to most efficiently generate leads, using tech to streamline workflows, how to understand federal and state incentives. Oh, sorry, just thinking about more of the issues that keep solar professionals up at night. The point is we're all dealing with a lot right now. So why make the time to check out Aurora's conference on August 16th? Well, here's a couple of reasons why I'm attending. It's free. I mean, that never hurts, right? It's virtual. You're not stuck at a conference center all day. You can tune into the sessions you want to and go on with your business. There are sessions that count for NABSEP continuing education credits, so you can knock that out at the same time. The content is really worthwhile. I know I'm gonna learn something or get a different perspective that I could use in my business. And of course, you'll hear from me on a panel covering policy. So I hope you'll be there on August 16th. You could register at Aurora Solar slash Empower 2023. It'll also be in the notes of the podcast. Thank you. The other question that I was having was... On the transferability part, when do you think the IRS is going to finalize
0: the transferability rules? Taxpayers can provide comments. There's a couple-month period up to mid-August to provide comments on these proposed regulations. And then the IRS and Treasury will look at those comments and decide whether they want to change anything in the proposed regulations and then issue final regulations sometime after that date. But we can rely on these regulations for now.
1: What's the approximate date? Potentially when everything is final for the rules related to transferability after that common period.
0: I think it can be a little bit unpredictable as to when the IRS can get through those comments and issue final regulations. You
1: wrote a piece called IRS Releases Guidance on Tax Credit and Direct Cash Payments. We'll also have a link to that in the notes of the podcast.
0: Yeah, so that was a piece on our website that I published along with a couple of my colleagues, Tori Wrestler and David Weisblatt. It's a summary of some of the key provisions that we thought kind of were the most interesting in the transferability guidance. Then at the same time that transferability guidance came out, direct pay guidance came out for tax-exempt entities who are interested in getting a direct cash payment from the government for the amount of credit they otherwise could have claimed. And so our piece summarizes the high-level takeaways from both of those. And some of the more interesting things are, we thought, recapture So the ITC investment tax credit can be recaptured if the party claiming the credit, for example, sells the project within five years after placed in service. The interesting thing about recapture of the credit in the tax credit sale context is that the buyer of the tax credit would actually be responsible for payment of any recapture amount. The owner of the project, the person who sells the tax credit, has to keep the buyer informed of whether a recapture event has occurred, but it is the buyer responsibility as between the buyer and the IRS. The interesting thing about the guidance is that it does expressly permit indemnifications between buyers and sellers of tax credits so that a seller may be required to indemnify a buyer of tax credits if the seller causes a recapture event. Yeah, that's one of the most interesting pieces I got out of this guidance. Yeah, that is a
1: huge piece. And it sounds like the IRS is seeing what was there in the past with the investment tax credit, some of the issues that people were having within investing in these type of projects and then adapting the tax code to be more flexible, which is exciting to hear.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, a couple of the other things that we thought were really actually very helpful in the guidance, there's a lot that's process oriented, requiring sellers of credits to register with the IRS, and then any buyer of the credits has to use that seller's special registration number that they receive in claiming the tax credits. And then other process-oriented things are details on the types of information and filing that has to be done by both the seller and buyer of credits. But then one of the other more interesting aspects of the guidance is related to excessive credit transfers And excessive credit transfer is basically a 20% penalty, which would be imposed on the buyer of the credit if the amount of the credit they claim is higher than what the seller would have been entitled to claim. The regulations give buyers a little bit of guidance on how to avoid that penalty. There's a reasonable cause exception, and it sort of says if the buyer has done sufficient diligence and reviewed third-party reports relating to the credit, such as an appraisal or a cost segregation report, and the buyer relies reasonably on representations made by the seller, then the buyer can avoid that 20% penalty. So I thought that provided some helpful guidance for buyers who are concerned and trying to figure out exactly how much diligence and how much do they have to really look under the hood in purchasing these tax credits.
1: Yeah, those are very interesting aspects of the IRA that I wasn't very familiar with. And I appreciate you explaining that. I think that's helpful for our audience to know about that. As I said before, we'll have this piece that you wrote as of June 16th, a link to it on the notes of the Solar Maverick podcast. And if you don't know, Foley Larner has their own podcast. It's called Powered by Foley. Adam, can you talk about the Powered by Foley podcast?
0: Yeah, thanks, Benoit. So Powered by Foley is our renewable energy Teams podcast. It is run by my colleagues, David Markey and Joel Meister, who do a great job keeping up to date on key issues of the day in the renewable energy sector, as well as energy transition. So it's a pretty broad-based podcast and is really entertaining to listen to because they'll talk about all kinds of things from labor and employment issues, tax issues, environmental issues, general market trends, lending trends in the energy industry. So anybody who's really interested developing renewable energy projects and is in this sector. It's a good podcast to listen to.
1: Being a developer, I really like the last podcast that you mentioned, which was challenges in energy project development that came out in May. And so like everyone will have like, a link to their podcast as well in the notes of the Solar Maverick podcast. This has been a really helpful interview. I'm sure we could go on for a long time about some of the other aspects of the IRA. Adam and I thought that probably the best thing would be just to focus on the transferability because that's the one thing that a lot of people in the industry have been asking about. Obviously, there are a lot of different components of the Inflation Reduction Act, and this podcast is just focusing, again, primarily on the transferability rules. Adam, if our listeners wanted to learn more about Foley Lardner or you, Adam, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You can check out the Foley and Lardner website that's Foley.com, or you can just give me a call, send me an email anytime too. I'm on the website. My contact information is A S C H U R L E. At Foley, and I look forward to hearing from anybody.
1: And we'll as well have your email and the Foley Lardner website on our podcast notes. And I would like to thank Don Curry, who's a mutual friend of ours. I've actually known Don now for I can't believe it's been like 13 to 14 years. We're both of the young professionals in energy in New York City. So, our listeners of the podcast bring guest and he introduced me. To Adam. And this has been like a really informational, educational podcast interview. I appreciate Adam, you making the time today and look forward to continued conversations on this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to the Solar Maverick Podcast. The Solar Maverick Podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar development and consulting firm. If you believe that this podcast is adding value to you, please give us a five-star review and share with those that you think could benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and feedback to info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at R-E-N-E-U energy.com. The Solar Maverick podcast is produced by Podcast Laundry and executive produced by Benoit Thangen and Kevin Y. Brown.